Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 1 through 33. That's Acts, chapter 10, verse 1 through 33. We have a pew Bible there for you to follow along. If you did not bring one with you, you can find it on page 1091. And that's Acts 10, 1 through 33. That sound of... Bible pages being turned as music to my ear. All right, now that everyone's there, let's go ahead and pray. Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And so hold your Bibles open there to Acts 10, 1 through 33. Don't lose your place. I'm going to start differently, though. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask your patience. I know it's not a big day. There's nothing planned after church that you have to get to or, or, or reservations or any of that. And to, to fully understand where we are in Acts chapter 10, we, we first have to understand a couple other things about the gospel. In Matthew 16, Jesus is with his disciples, and he begins asking them, who do, who do others say that I am? And they, they say, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. And he goes, but who do you say I am? And, Pete's, and, and, and Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And it's here in Matthew 16. And Jesus answers and, and, and calls him blessed and, and that on him, on this rock, shall he build his church. We, if, if you've been in the church for a while, you might have heard that before. Peter is the rock, the confession is the rock on which the church shall be built. But Jesus goes on and says one more thing as, as he's praising Peter in his confession. He says this in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, Peter is one of the apostles, one of the disciples who is there with Jesus. He makes the confession he's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The great confession that is asked of all of us upon our baptism, upon our joining in fellowship here at First Christian Church of the Beaches. Do you, do you profess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the Son of the living God? Yes, yes. For those that have said it, yes. For those that are still unworried, well, where are you going, Pastor? Well, Peter, here upon his confession, Jesus confers him steward over the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Peter has been handed the keys to the kingdom of heaven according to Jesus, and now he is to steward them. This is in the Gospel of Matthew, written by Matthew, inspired by God. And, and here we begin this biblical narrative. And as we've read through Acts, all the way through chapter 9, Peter has played a majorly important role in the gospel, in the beginning of this new church, in the spreading of the gospel. Such a big role, in fact, that these keys he's been given. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit descends down, we see that it is Peter who goes out amidst the crowd who days earlier shouted, crucify him, crucify him, and is there out in that crowd and unlocks the gospel to them and preaches. And those who once shouted for Jesus' death are now given the opportunity of grace and love and mercy. 
And it's Peter who is given the keys to be the steward of those keys, goes and unlocks that gate. Then the church would face persecution, and upon Stephen's martyrdom, the church began to scatter to Judea and Samaria. And another deacon named Philip, we read this in chapter 8, he goes out to Samaria, and while he's there checking on those who believe, he also begins preaching and proclaiming Christ to all who will listen, and people are coming to faith and being baptized. The scripture tells us that the apostles heard about this back in Jerusalem. Now, to understand more, the the Jewish-Samaritan relationship was never really a good one. From the Jewish perspective, Samaritans were half-breeds. They were less than. They weren't worthy of the promise of God anymore, for they had sold their birthright to go and, and mingle with other nationalities. But here, the apostles hear Samaritans are coming to faith. And so scripture tells us in Acts chapter 8 that Peter and John go to see what's happening with Philip and these new believers in Samaria. And then they realized that the Holy Spirit had not been given to them yet, though they had come to faith and been baptized. And Peter and John lay hands upon them and they receive the Spirit. Again, Peter is unlocking this gate to the kingdom of heaven, of the gospel, of this, of this who it is for is growing bigger and bigger. And so we see in the book of Acts, Peter has now used these keys that he is steward of twice for the will of God. Remember, because it's Jesus who said, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, in chapter 1, verse 8. So now Peter has unlocked Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Now we can follow along here in chapter 10 and read our scripture for the day. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Above about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, And bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. 
Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house, and in the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore... We all are here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Here ends the reading. This is quite a long narrative we find here in chapter 10. But what we are seeing here in chapter 10 of Acts is the final unlocking to the kingdom of heaven. That Peter is called to go and bring the gospel that he brought to the Jewish people, that he brought to the Samaritans, now to the Gentiles. That God's kingdom is ever expanding and that the gospel is for everyone. See, we don't have to do much to interpret what the vision Peter had about the different kinds of animals, about clean and unclean, because Peter himself was able to interpret it. For when he comes face to face with Cornelius and the others and he says it's unlawful for any Jew to be with you because they become ceremoniously unclean. He says, but the Lord has shown me not to call unclean or common that which he has cleansed. But Peter wasn't quick to the draw on going to the Gentiles. We see the resistance and the perplexity upon the vision that he received. For he was hungry and goes into a trance and and it says that this cloth with all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air fall upon the earth and Jesus tells them to rise, kill, and eat. By no means, Lord. Quite a contradiction there in that statement. 
one can say by no means, or one can say yes, Lord, but to say by no means, Lord, isn't really to submit to one as Lord. But here Peter says it, and he says, I've, I've never done anything with something that is common or unclean or partake and eaten in those. He says, how dare you call unclean or common what God has made clean? See, the dietary restrictions we can go and find in Scripture in Leviticus chapter 11. You don't have to go there now, but I encourage you to read them. It's quite interesting. You get the rundown of what can and cannot be consumed and eaten by the Israel, the Jewish people. And here in this very Scripture, through Peter, through his ministry, through Cornelius, God shows Peter that the gospel is for everyone. And that the gate that was once put up to be used as a distinction between God's people and the Gentiles is no longer there, that the only distinction made in heaven and earth is those that call upon the name of the Lord and those who don't. And so in this story, we see Peter go on a mission to an unreached people group. But before he goes on this mission, Cornelius gets a vision himself to send for Peter. It was first Cornelius whose heart and ears and mind and soul was made ready to hear what Peter had to say. For when Peter comes to the house, he says, this was the vision. Now go on and tell us all that you have been commanded. Ooh, you tell Peter that. We've seen what Peter says. Peter will preach the gospel unashamed, boldly, without fear of punishment or death. So we know what's coming next. We know why God has sent him. And we see through the narrative continued throughout the book of Acts that Jesus did not merely make a suggestion of going to all the nations. He made a commissioning. A calling upon the life of those who would call upon the Lord to go, therefore, to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peter was even resistant after hearing it firsthand himself. Peter was resistant after being told that he would go and be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Yet, he did submit to the Lord after three more times. And there we find him in Cornelius' house prepared to give the most important news to Cornelius, his relatives, and his close friends that they had heard in their entire lives. Because Peter has now gone on mission to an unreached people group. And because Peter did, we get to sit here today and celebrate and worship because others have gone on mission to bring us the good news of Jesus Christ. But in 2019, despite all the advances we've made with gospel proclamation and missions in the world, there still remains over 7,000 people groups 
who have been unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 7,000 people groups that represent 41% of the world's population. Over 3 billion people have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and especially in their own language. There's 1,500 languages that we know about that the Bible has yet to be translated into. And as I read through this story, It reminded me of two special people to this church, Scott and Jenny Phillips. Scott and Jenny Phillips, they, he wrote a book called Prophecy of the Pale Skin. But it, it, for those of you that are new, I, I learned of the story in 2016. We have the book in the library. If it's not checked out, I encourage you to do so. But to give a, a, a brief synopsis of Scott and Jenny Phillips, they're from Tennessee and they had met in high school and then Scott was a skater boy but he was a man of faith and and one summer he was invited to go to Europe to go to skate parks and travel and share his faith and the good news of Jesus while there in Europe and he had an incredible time doing it but it was time to go to college and finish up and so he had made plans to go to a Bible college in New York and little to his knowledge, Jenny, had made those same plans to go to the same Bible college in New York. And it'd be there that they would meet up and become close friends once again. And Scott felt a call upon his heart to go to L.A. to the skate parks and start a skate park ministry in which he could reach skaters with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it wouldn't be until he took a missions class that God... placed on his heart to go, to go to unreached people groups. He had a professor who taught a missions class there at his college in New York. And he says he was quite controversial because one day as he was talking about the Great Commission, he, he hammered down the fact that we are told to go to all the nations. And so he sent out a, a form to all the students in the class that they could check and sign that said simply, when Jesus says to go to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, making them disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded, that does not apply to me. And to sign it. Well, they were made quite uncomfortable, quite upset. But it touched Scott and Jenny's hearts. So much so... Scott realized that in the United States, we are blessed with many pastors and many resources to get the gospel to people here. But that there are people who have never heard the gospel in their own language. So they want to go and be missionaries to an unreached people group. They get married and they travel across the United States to Oregon to a training facility and it would be there that God would lay upon their hearts to go to Indonesia, one of the fastest growing Muslim countries, a place where it's very difficult and hard and oftentimes illegal to bring the gospel to. You may have heard in 2018 of Jeffrey Chow, a young man who tried to go to the North Sintalese people and was shot and killed on sight by the North Sintalese. Here it would be Scott and Jenny Phillips that would take that trek nine years ago into Indonesia 
looking for the Dao territory. And once they arrived there through their dangerous trek and their long journey, they hiked up the mountain and found the leader of this nomadic tribe. They'd been unreached with the gospel before. They were known to be skittish around visitors and outsiders. They had their bows and arrows drawn and within hand's reach at a moment's notice if they needed to. Well, they were granted permission to come back and build a home there and live and learn about them. Because they said, we have an important message for you. So they'd go back and get the supplies and travel back to the Dow territory and begin building their homes. And people would help them and they would learn language as they would go along. And after their home was built, they said, There's no clocks, there's no dates or times there. It's when the sun's up, everyone is up, and when the sun goes down, they retreat to their homes. But when the sun would be up, their home would be filled with kids from all over the territory, staring, wondering, laughing, learning. People would come and go as they were nomadic, and in their villages of three to four households would travel through the territory. And after their house was completed, they began doing some light medical work and healing wounds and cleaning them up. And Scott admits that he became frustrated one day. Frustrated because the language wasn't coming easy to him anymore. He was tired of being laughed at and corrected on the language and began doubting and thinking, I will never get down their language, so I will never get to share the gospel with them and began questioning really the call. And He was praying in his morning time with his cup of coffee and his scripture before the sun came up. And it was there before the sun came up that this man named Appius started walking up to his house that day. Now, Appius had come and built a home near him in his garden near him where all the other in the Dow territory would come and go. Appius came and built and stayed close by. Scott had never really had a conversation. He goes, well, I learn more language when they talk than when I try to. So he asked him why he built near him and has stayed there. And on that day, Apius revealed to him that 30 years ago, his father had a dream. And when he woke up from the dream, he said to those around him, he goes, that was weird. And they said, well, tell us about it. And he told them that one day, two pale face will come hiking up a mountain with an important message for us to hear. And Apias said, and that day y'all came hiking up the mountain and said you had an important message. I don't want to miss it. I'm staying right near you so that I can hear it first. And to this day, those who are counted among the book of life in the Dow territory has increased exponentially thanks to the calling and the work of Scott and Jenny Phillips that realized go applied to them. And in September of this past year, there was two men in the Dow territory that would travel around the little villages and teach people the gospel and make disciples and and, and learn all that Jesus had commanded. And Scott and Jenny celebrated because they weren't two men that they taught themselves. Rather, they were spiritual grandchildren now that the disciples they had once made to teach and learn the gospel 
we're out teaching others the gospel. You see, the, the key that Peter used to unlock the kingdom of heaven that we read about in Acts 10 is not yet fulfilled. Because in his vision, when it's completed, God takes up all that he is called clean back into heaven. Folks, the go applies to us. Acts is a missionary book. There's still unreached people, three billion of them. And we thank God for people like Scott and Jenny, that they're brave enough to take the gospel when God calls them. Amen.